This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to freelance journalist Jason Wilson. He mostly covers the militant far right in the US and their various connections. And he's going to be talking to us about the base. The base was, up until recently, a very active neo-Nazi American training camp slash group. It's kind of confusing. Um, What's stranger still is that there's quite a big possibility that actually they were started by what could be even a Russian agent. Now, it's not one of those weird, you know, resist Twitter conspiracy Russia type things. It's like legit. So it's all very weird. And Jason's going to tell us all about it. If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popular front. Yeah, so firstly, I I mean, we'll get into what happened and all of these weird theories and what have you. But first of all, just explain to us what is the base, like, or at least what was the base, I guess the kind of defunct now. Um, Just explain that to us. Yeah, uh, the the base was, I suppose, uh, the best way to describe it is an an accelerationist neo-Nazi, you know, network. Um, They often talked about themselves as a kind of social network. This guy, the guy who, um, you know, founded the base and and formed the base, um, uh, he, he was calling himself Norman Spear. Uh, and he cropped up um, on in social media and and other places online around the end of uh, 2017. Not not too long after Charlottesville, he he started showing up. Um, and at first, he appeared on a lot of uh, you know neo-Nazi podcasts and and made some YouTube videos. And he was kind of identifying at that point as uh, someone who was uh, associating himself with the Northwest Front, um, which was the organisation of a a guy called Harold Covington. Um, and Harold Covington's idea, which he called the Butler Plan, because uh, it was it was also associated before him with Richard Gernt Butler, who was the Aryan Nations boss, who um, had a compound in Hayden, Idaho. But uh, yeah, um, uh, you know, um, uh, the the idea is that um, the Pacific Northwest, so the states of Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and you know, usually they include Montana and Wyoming as well. Uh, could be a white ethno state. They could break it off from the United States, and and it could be a white ethno state. And look, uh, it was odd, you know, because Covington was a, a little bit of a ridiculous kind of figure. He he wrote all of these kind of uh, novels that were set in this, uh, you know, future projected ethno state. And you know, this organization was a bit of a joke. And a lot of uh, longtime neo Nazis of his vintage, you know, constantly. Um, claimed that he was a, f- a federal informant of some kind. Um, but, you know, this, this Norman Spear guy shows up. He's identifying himself as a, a Butler Plan guy. He's um, praising um, Covington. He's, he's identifying himself sometimes as a Northwest Front activist. Um, and, you know, he's, he's also making these videos where he's advising people on small arms tactics and, you know, urban guerrilla tactics, um, survive, you know, woodland survival, stuff like that. Um, and also billing himself as a former CIA analyst, um, you know, and as a combat veteran. So he shows up in 2017 doing that. And then from 2018, early 2018, um, and it's hard to pin down a precise date because, uh, you know, a lot of this social media record has just kind of disappeared. Of course, he got banned eventually and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
he, but he started recruiting for this organization called The Base. Um, and, you know, it was pretty clearly an accelerationist project, uh, you know, which overlapped ideologically and even eventually in terms of members with, with groups like Adam Woffen, which, which you know well, I know. Um, but I guess it had more of a, you know, survivalist prepper uh, dimension uh, to it uh, than, than Adam Woffen's, which was, uh, which is, you know, much more, um, I, I, I guess their, their aesthetic is more, you know, to do with the occult and, you know, the relationship with James Mason and all that kind of stuff. This, this, <laughs> I guess the base was a little more outdoorsy. Whenever people asked, I always kind of said, well, think of it this way. Not everyone in the base is Atomwaffen, but everyone in Atomwaffen is kind of in the base. Now, that doesn't mean they remember, but they're all associated and they all learn off of the same things, right? Like, the base wasn't necessarily, like, the crew. It's, like, as far as I understood, like, Atomwaffen was the crew and, like, the base was kind of, like, the recon guys or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, the training camp. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that he did was um, he allowed double patching. Um, so, so for listeners, that, that means that you could be... You know, you could be a member um, of of a group like Adam Woffen or or you know Fear Creek Division or whatever, um, and it was fine for you to join the base. Like their story, you know, to exter- to the external world was always like, um, we're not a formal group, we don't have formal membership. We're we're just a you know a network of like minded people uh, preparing for um, uh, you know I, I guess the 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 certain collapse in their view of, of pluralist liberal democracies, you know, which they saw as decadent and, and, you know, yeah, they were, they were totally neo-Nazis, but they had all of these kind of alibis. Like we're not a formal group. We don't have formal members. Um, we don't, um, uh, you know, we're not, um, uh, trying to actively bring about the collapse of society. Now, internally, he was saying, different things to that but um we're, we're just preparing you know we're just we're just into preparedness and uh you know he he had a big emphasis on um trying to set up cells so regional cells and so you know he really wanted people to um meet up you know and uh get to know each other and do you know combat drills and training and firearms training together uh, and you know the idea was there was kind of a little bit of that uh, idea of leaderless resistance as well. Although, you know, he was clearly the leader and he was clearly um, uh, in charge. And, you know, he would, um, he was in charge of the committee that vetted people. Um, so, so they started, you know, using a series of platforms to kind of put this network together and, and so that they could chat and be in touch and, um, you know, I, I guess do... A, a form of political education, if you like, you know, to, to sort of build up this ideology that the, the kind of, and they were very much into siege, you know, all the James Mason stuff. Um, but also, you know, they, they, they also did read stuff by um, Covington um, uh, and others who promoted this idea of the, the, the Pacific Northwest as a, an ethno state. So um, they started, uh, uh, I believe on Discord, and then that that server got kind of pretty thoroughly leaked, and um, anti-fascist activists got a hold of a lot of that material, um, and they experimented with a few platforms after that, and 
Uh, but for the, then for most of their existence from kind of uh, late 2018, I guess, to 2020, um, they were on uh, Wire, which is an encrypted messaging platform where you can sort of set up group chat rooms. Um, uh, and f for those of your listeners who aren't familiar with it, I guess it's, it's, it's a little like Slack or something, really. Um, it's kind of like a collaboration platform. It's, it's a bit different to like Signal or other encrypted uh, messaging apps that, that you might have experienced. It's a little bit more geared towards collaboration. So they had different rooms, you know, they had a general chat, they had um, rooms for leaders, they had rooms for regional cells, they had, you know, a kind of room that was just a library of the texts that they thought were important. Um, and yeah, I mean, they were, um, you know, as, as I said in my reporting, I had a, uh, a source who was a, a kind of long-term member of the group, and um, that person um, passed on to me a whole lot of material um, from inside the group. And, and from that, I could see that, um, you know, uh, that they, while they were kind of careful to try to avoid, um, talking about planning acts of terrorism, um, certainly, uh, members of the network use that network to, to plan and, and, um, execute acts of, uh, violence or, or property destruction. Um, and, and, and from late 2019, uh, from October 2019, um, you know, uh, the Fed started kind of rolling them up and arresting people. Um, so the first arrest was a guy called Rich, Richard Tobin, um, who's only, I mean, he was only 18 when he got arrested. He might be 19 now. Um, and he was arrested uh, for um, planning the vandalism of uh, some synagogues up in uh, Wisconsin and Michigan um, uh, with other members of, of the group. But, but it's alleged that he kind of was the mastermind and he planned it. And I saw some of the lead up to that where he was talking in the main chat, but he didn't, you know, arrange the details in the main chat. But he wanted to do, he wanted to do something to mark Kristallnacht, you know, which is the, the, the um, incident where the Nazis in Germany um, defaced a, a bunch of Jewish shops and synagogues and really um, that, that was really the start of the, the serious kind of uh, the serious persecution of the Jews by the Nazis. Um, it was really the start of the pogrom that went until the end of the war. Um, and he wanted to celebrate that. So that, that's why they did that. And um, it seems like I went to one of his bond hearings. It seems like um, he gave a lot of information to the FBI and then, um, we saw a bunch of other arrests uh, this year. Let's let's talk about the other arrests as well. Because so so we got it right. So the base is you know this neo-Nazi uh, accelerationist kind of training camp slash group slash I don't know ideological learning curve for all these kind of fascist American kids. Then it starts growing rapidly, right? And like you said, these arrests start happening. But the biggest arrest was the murder plot, right? There was a murder plot. They were harboring this former Canadian soldier that had, like, smuggled himself into America. Like, it, it all went mad. Like, maybe you can uh, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, like, I think now eight members of the base have been arrested. One group, uh, they arrested the whole Georgia cell. Uh, so, um you know, three guys uh, who were allegedly plotting um, to uh, assassinate uh, an, an anti-fascist in Georgia. Um, 
And, um, you know, they had that, according to the FBI, they had that whole plan ready to go because that person they thought had, um, you know, doxed, um, had been involved in, in doxing Nazis. It was actually a, a, two people, a couple, who they were planning to assassinate. Um, and these guys, you know, again, um, the ringleader, the alleged ringleader, um, uh, was, uh, is, you know, in his early 20s. Uh, a couple of the other guys in Georgia were, were older. But a lot of the prime movers in this movement um, are people who are quite young. And, and I think that's true of, of Adam Woffen uh, as well. Uh, the interesting thing about Tobin, who I was talking about before, is that he was also a member of Adam Woffen and allegedly went to the the Nuclear Congress in Nevada in, um, I guess that was 2019? In Death Valley. The last big um, Adam Woffen meetup, he was allegedly there too. So he's probably got, <laughs> he's prob probably been able to give them some information about Adam Woffen as well. And, and you know, there have been Adam Woffen arrests now too. Um, they've arrested one of the guys who was allegedly involved with the, 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 um, the synagogue vandalism there in the, in the Midwest. Um, and um, his name's Yusuf Barazne, and um, he seems to um, come from a, a Muslim background. His, his parents are sort of um, pretty prominent people in the, in the Muslim community in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So that's interesting. Um, uh, you know, um, I, I, I mean, I, I know that there are, um, you know, anti-Semitic currents in um, in, you know, amongst some parts of the Muslim community, but I'm, I'm not sure if that exactly is what happened with this guy. Um, so, yeah, and in, in Georgia, so they, yeah, the, the, the guys in Georgia were planning an assassination. Um, they got some guys um, uh, in the Midwest or one guy in the Midwest for, um, uh, for uh, you know, this, this act of vandalism. Um, but the guy, the guy who led the, the Georgia cell, his name's Luke Lane, um, and he went by TMB online. And he was a particularly kind of uh, his rhetoric in his rhetoric, at least he was he was particularly violent and particularly inclined to you know wanting to wanting to you know, th their motto is there is no political solution, right? So so like all of these accelerationist groups, you have to understand them in the context of of Charlottesville, I think. So after Charlottesville, you know, which was seen as this movementarian moment, right? So, at, you know, neo-Nazis out in the open, organising, trying to impact the political process. You know, Charlottesville, of course, was a disaster, um, uh, principally b because someone was murdered there, but also, you know, it, it just put this movement in a really bad light. Um, and so some people... You know, there was this whole debate internally amongst neo-Nazis about optics, you know, and what, what should be done. And, in, you know, some people were like, let's keep our powder dry, let's keep our heads down, let's um, try to look normal and, and do things like try to influence the Republican Party by joining in on local Republican Party politics. Others, you know, joined Adam often or the base because they were like, screw this, you know, the political process isn't going to deliver us anything. We've got a, we've got a... Um, uh, prepare for this society to collapse and, you know, maybe help it along its way. And, and so Luke Lane and, um, uh, for that matter, um, Richard Tobin were, were guys who were really, really enthusiastic about this idea of, you know, um, maybe if we commit terrorist acts um, uh, judiciously, <laughs> we, can, we can help hurry this stuff along. And, and I guess that's the basic accelerationist idea, right? Like, 
um, if, if, if we accelerate the collapse of this society, then we'll have an opportunity to create the kind of society we want, which is a white supremacist um, ethno-state, you know, in, in most cases. So, yeah, I mean, they've gotten, um, you know, a lot of these guys uh, banged up now. Um, there's another guy um, uh, who's a crocodile. Uh, I know that. I know that prick. Like, he used to email me all the time, yeah. Right. So he, he, he was also briefly a member of the base. But interestingly... Uh, according to my information, he quit um, in fairly short order because he came to think that uh, uh, Norman Spear uh, uh, was, was, in his words, a Russian fed. And so, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess to, to, to sort of, you know, wind it forward to where my reporting came in and, and the reporting of Ali Winston uh, and others at, at the BBC, I mean, we were both kind of closing in on the guy at the same time. Um, and I know you've had Ali on, on the show before and you guys are pretty pretty good friends, as, as I understand it. So um, you've probably heard his side of this before. But um, yeah, I just... Uh, what happened was um, uh, uh, Eugene Antifar uh, put out this tweet, um, I guess last... Uh, around this time last year... Um, a year ago, saying, uh, you know, we've got information that the base are going to have a training camp somewhere near Spokane, which is a town in eastern Washington. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and, you know, there was a bit of reporting in local media out there about it. And then, um, you know, and there, were, there was comments from law enforcement that actually it was off, they weren't going to show. So I just did a few little records requests. Um, and I found that um, the sheriff in... Um, uh, in, um, oh gee, anyway, a local county sheriff had been talking to, uh, various people about it and I got his emails and, uh, he said that they had gotten, a, a property in Ferry County, um, under, under their own name. And I thought that's weird. So I looked at the land records in Ferry County and, and this guy had bought land under the name of, uh, Base Global LLC. So he put the name in the, of the group, um, in uh, the name of the LLC, which he used to buy the land. And of course his name was attached to it too. And that's when I saw this name, Ronaldo Nazaro. So, you know, I, I started kind of chasing this, this guy, I guess. And, um, you know, I tried to find out as much of him as I could about what was on the public record. And, and also, um, you know, what, what, what was out there in, in terms of social media and open source stuff. And it turned out that he had been for, for many years, um, advertising himself as a, a military and intelligence uh, and counterintelligence and counterterrorism contractor, and that he had actually been trying to flog this computer system he had, uh, you know, a software system he, he had uh, supposedly created for, um, for monitoring social media and for using the internet and social media to, to, to kind of build up an intelligence resource. Uh, and then it, it turned out he was had married a Russian woman and he was living in Russia. Um, and so I kind of published all of that in January. And I think, I think I beat Ali and those guys by a day, but they had, they had a lot more stuff on the Russian end. Um, they had a, you know, BBC guy in Russia who was able to fill in some of the details there. And, um, you know, I think, I think we're both still working on the story. And so there might be more to come soon, but that's, that's kind of where we're at now. Um, and a lot of the arrests happened after, 
you know, I had, uh, I had published this guy's name. Um, and I'm not saying I, I had anything to do with that. I think that the FBI operate on their own timeline. But yeah, the story kind of came out in between the first arrest of Richard Tobin and then, you know, the kind of mass arrests of a whole bunch of guys from the base and Adam Waffen. And, and some, t- some guys are in both. Right. So this is, comes to the question, um, do you think Nazaro is a Russian fed? As Crocodile thought, as I have started to come to think myself, like there's a lot of evidence to suggest he's kind of quite closely linked to the Kremlin. Now, before this all unfolded and your report came out and the BBC report came out, I was like, no, that's just, you know, that's hashtag resistance Twitter conspiracy theory, you know? But now I look at it, I'm like, maybe... Maybe this guy was some kind of psyop type. Maybe he's been sent in by a group to, like, you know, create this movement and, and disrupt people. I don't know. What do, what do you think? Yeah, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this, of course, by saying that we're, you know, like, this is, this is speculation. I, I, don't have, um, I don't have a definitive answer that's based on facts and, and, and reporting. But uh, right at this moment, I think we have to... Uh, we have to entertain, continue to entertain that possibility. I mean, he's in Russia. Uh, there's reporting since has come out uh, both in Russia and here in the United States. New York Mag did a story about his background, and and you know some some Russian outlets have done some digging on him as well. Um, and it seems that he's been a Russian citizen for some time. Um, it, it seems that um, uh, you know the, the Russians certainly haven't kicked him out. They haven't. They haven't done anything, as far as we know. He's he's still there. He's still fine. He's got a pretty nice place um, in in uh, Saint Petersburg, uh, I believe, and uh, you know, uh, an expensive place. Um, I, I know that he paid cash uh, for for an apartment in New York. He paid cash uh, for an apartment in New York. He's got money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. He had money. He made money, presumably. Um, uh, you know, it's very, very difficult, uh, try as I might, to get any kind of records out of the United States government, out of the agencies that, you know, you, you, you would think he may have worked for if he had been a successful contractor. Um, but, you know, he, he, it appears that his, his, from subsequent reporting that his stories about having served overseas are true, um, but there's a lot that doesn't add up you know, to the picture of a committed neo-Nazi, um, for sure. I mean, people who knew him in college report that he was uh, uh, a kind of hippy-dippy stoner guy. Um, uh, but more recently, you know, the photos I found and others found in social media, you know, show a kind of, appear to show a, a wealthy, attractive guy, um, you know, with an attractive wife and two kids uh, and a nice place um, and a bit of money, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's not the normal profile of a of a uh, uh, a Northwest Front guy, you know, <laughs> like like Covington or someone like that. They're much more marginal, alienated figures generally. Do you know what I'm saying? It's there's something there's something about the picture that doesn't add up. There's something about this whole picture that suggests that the uh, the whole neo-Nazi thing was was some something of a projection, um, you know. And I'm aware that. Um, you know, in internal conversations, um, he did press pretty hard on the idea that, um, you know, maybe they would need to act to hasten um, the end of of this society that they they despised. 
but you know he wasn't he wasn't throwing out slurs and um, you know saying sig hail and stuff like that. He was very he was very businesslike in the way uh, from what I've seen in the way that he conducted himself internally. You know, it was all about organizing stuff and building this network and making it function. And then, yeah, he's in Russia. He seems to be fine there. He seems he's a citizen. He's not. They haven't moved against him. They haven't done anything. Um, so we can speculate, right? I mean, um, you know, um, he was advertising himself as someone who could collect information on people uh, in social networks. Um, you know, at minimum now, he's got a, a pretty decent database of people who maybe are prepared to act on uh, in, in the interests of their, their beliefs, you know, their extremist beliefs. I found it weird how he came. So the first time I ever saw Spear or Nazaro um, was on Gab when I was, you know, researching Atomov and stuff. And he wasn't really at all involved in Siege or anything like that. Like you say, he was very involved in that Pacific Northwest thing, that stupid flag with the green and the white and the blue. And, you know, and then those two groups actually hated each other. So, like, the PNW Nazis hated or hate siege heads, you know, they hate Atomov and they hate James Mason. There's, like, a long-running feud, actually, between um, the former leader of the PNW Nazi group and uh, James Mason, the guy that wrote uh, Siege. So that was weird for me to then see, like, oh, Spear is now the head of the base. Like, to go from the PNW, which is all nicey-nicey, you know, ethno-state, women with braided hair and all that nonsense in the in the you know in the pnw to then be like no we have to go full power acceleration nuclear war nazism didn't add up to me either it was like that's a very big step do you know what i mean it's almost like he was just trying to find a group so he's 45 46 years old you know 43 or whatever when he started yeah he came from absolutely nowhere um as i understand it his only vouch really was covington who like i said um, has been long accused uh, by by Mason and by you know Tom Metzger and people like that of being a fed himself. He just came from nowhere. I mean, who gets radicalized at that age? It it just doesn't. Something about it doesn't add up. And you know, if you know, let's let's just say again, speculating. Let's just say this was an experiment. You know what I mean? Like, let's see what happens um, if we can. Uh, uh, you know, assemble this network of terrorists and, you know, maybe they'll do something disruptive. At the very least, we'll have a bunch of names um, and a bunch of information on people who maybe are prepared to do that stuff. We'll um, tie up some resources, you know, some counterterrorism resources. Um, we'll, uh, you know, um, emphasise or ex maybe even exacerbate the divisions in this society. I mean, and, and what does it cost? Nothing. <laughs> nothing really i mean all of these guys are uh volunteer labor i mean let's assume that it is some kind of paid operation your only cost is whatever his fee is um the rest is basically you know free so uh you're just using social media and you're using using a bunch of crazy guys who um who are who are racists who, who want to destroy you know, multicultural society with like a nuclear bomb or whatever, like you say. So, so it kind of makes sense on that level that it could be that kind of thing. And then the question is, who's paying for it? I suppose, or who is his sponsor? Um, or you know, um, 
Ali at Al uh, found that he had been, um, you know, uh, advertising himself as a consultant at, at an expo in Russia, you know, as, at, a, at a kind of Intel contractor expo. I mean, you know, um, m maybe something like this is something you can bring to a meeting and say, look, look, I've got this asset. I've got this thing up and running, you know. Um, you know, you could use it for all kinds of things. Let's talk. I don't know. Speculation. But, but um, uh, it, could be a, it, could be a, it could be a government paying for this. Um, but, you know, I mean, there are people out there, private actors, non-state actors, with the resources to make this kind of thing happen as well. So, yeah, um, certainly, it seems like certainly, um, uh, you know, Nate Thayer, uh, his FBI sources, he, he says, have... have say the guy's working for the Russians. I mean, I don't know. Um, the, the, the FBI and the US government may have reasons to, to want to disavow this guy and say he's working for someone else. I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think, at this point, I think it's pretty hard to see how he would be working for the US government. I mean, that's what, that's what a lot of his former comrades think, right? That he was some kind of, um, uh, you know, federal government, US federal government planned, like, and the whole thing was a honeypot to find out who these guys were. I, I don't, I don't find that particularly plausible, um, just because, um, you know, the FBI aren't reacting in, in a way that would kind of suggest that, and, and they wouldn't want to depend on, the, you know, in prosecutions or whatever, on, on information kind of unearthed by that guy in that way. It just doesn't, that just doesn't sit right with me. I, I mean, again, though, it's it, you can't dismiss it entirely. I, I think, though, possibly a foreign government or a, a non-state actor is, is involved somewhere here. And, um, you know, we're just going to have to keep digging, I guess. Right. But the, the FBI did have, um, they had an infiltrator, right? That's how they discovered the murder plot, weren't it? Right. They Well, they had an undercover um, uh, 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 of uh, agent, yeah, uh, who had who was a, a quite an active member of the group, it seems, and um, yeah, that's how they discovered the murder plot. Um, and it seems that that uh, you know P Patrick Matthews was a Canadian soldier who fled Canada after um, oh um, the very good reporter at the Winnipeg Free Press, whose name uh, it just escapes me for for the the second. Um, he he actually went under the Canadian reporter went undercover. In, in his local branch of the base and, and found out who these guys were and found out one of them was, you know, this reservist by the name of Patrick Matthews who promptly fled Canada and then, you know, was kind of on the lam and um, hanging around with a bunch of guys in the, in the Northeast. Uh, but then he went to a training camp in Georgia uh, and that's where the FBI undercover agent interacted with him. So, yeah, they had an undercover guy in there who was quite successfully able to... Um, gather a whole lot of information um, about the, the identities and activities of these guys. And, um, you know, um, they got Matthews on immigration charges and, and the guys who helped him on, on sort of immigration charges. But those guys, they had a machine gun and stuff and, you know, transported a machine gun is, is one of the charges as well. I mean, they were just doing crazy Nazi shit. And um, unfortunately for them, the, the FBI was watching them the whole time. <laughs> weren't they planning a mass shooting that's not clear to me um the fbi says that in their documents um but you know the dates there don't line up with something else there was supposed to be 
as I understand it, there was supposed to be a big mass meetup of the entire organization or, you know, um, the people in the US who were able to get there at around the time of the Virginia um, demo. I, I don't know if those guys were actually planning to go there or were just shit talking. Um, certainly, um, uh, their shit talking was enough to, to, for the FBI to be able to say, look, these guys are a, a real danger. Um, they're planning this. That's why we brought them in. Um, you know, that, 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 that there's enough there for probable cause. I'm not actually sure that they were planning to go to that rally. And it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really gel with uh, their usual MO. I mean, they, they, I mean, like Adam often, just, they, they totally rejected this movementarian idea. You know, they totally rejected this idea that going to demos and, uh, you know, doing kind of uh, normal kinds of political activity, they just thought there was no point to that. Um, and the, the, their whole thing was, we're, we're not going to get involved with that kind of stuff. What we're going to do is we're going to become a kind of fighting force um, and, you know, to the outside world, they were saying, we're, we're, we're going to become a fighting force so we can prepare for the inevitable collapse of the society. Maybe internally it was more like, we're going to become a fighting force so we can hurry this thing along. Um, so, yeah, it just, the idea of them turning up to a Second Amendment protest, um, you know, even if they were saying that their plan was to just start shooting people and help, help something kick off, I mean, I just don't, it just doesn't sound like these guys to me because... Because you know, looking at Adam often, I mean, they're kind of cowards as well, right? I, can you see anyone in Adam often kind of showing up in person to a rally like that? Yeah, it's like what, one of every 10 guys that says they're going to kill someone might. Do you know what I mean? But again, Matthews was pretty insane. Like he'd skip the border. He was hiding with people. Like, he would buy in all these illegal weapons. Like, he was a pretty hardcore guy. Yeah. And certainly, you know, even if you read the transcripts um, that have been included in their, um, in the criminal complaints associated with those guys, you know, you can see that they're ratcheting each other up. You know, they're having these conversations like Nazis do where, you know, they're, they're talking about all the kind of mayhem they're going to they're gonna cause. And, and they were clearly kind of goading one another towards something. And look, if it wasn't going to the Second Amendment rally and shooting stuff up, it, it might have been something else. It might have been another assassination plot or something like that. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, he's a dangerous guy and he's he's trained as well. And, and they're the guys you've really got to watch. You know, the guys who've had combat training, the guys who aren't scared of, you know, firing a gun um, or being shot at. Um, you know, I think a lot of these guys are, you know, like Richard Tobin is the archetypal basement dwelling, you know, internet poisoned Nazi, you know, like, but someone like Matthews, you know, is a worry. Um, and there are guys in these movements who have, who are combat veterans, you know, or who've ha at least had some training. And, and that's the really concerning, because that's like, that's Timothy McVeigh, right? Like, Someone with a bit of know-how can cause a whole lot of damage and, and they don't need um, a big organisation or that much infrastructure to, to, to kind of carry out those sorts of operations. Yeah, exactly. It only takes like one or two 
like ardent followers to go through with what they say they're going to do. But that's what the murder plot was, right? Like I've read some of the transcripts from the text that the FBI got and stuff. Like they were saying like, I can do it. One of them was like, I'm prepared to kill a kid. Like they, they, and they bought stuff, right? They were ready to commit that murder. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, about the local cells and stuff. Like when these folks get together face to face, we've seen it time and again in these prosecutions, you know, they get together face to face and they, and they kind of radicalize one another further. Do you know what I'm saying? And then they, they kind of, um, uh, they, they kind of, you know, get involved, you know, like they're all bonding over their guns and all that kind of stuff on, on TMB's property and, you know, shooting stuff. They, they slaughtered, they, they killed and ate a goat <laughs> uh, at, at the big Georgia meetup. Um, you know, stuff like that where they're just, um, you know, I, and I mean... It's not just Nazis, like, right? Young guys are like this. They talk each other into... Young guys talk each other into doing stupid shit. And if the young guys are Nazis, you know, like, <laughs> it's going to be Nazi shit. Yeah, you know you know that goat? It was, it was actually a sheep that they killed, which is kind of hilarious. But um, that, to me, like, that's pretty dark. Like, they... I mean, I know it's a sheep or whatever. They, they you know, they killed it. They slaughtered it. Cut its head off. And there was about 20 of them at that meetup, all in their fatigues, like, holding this sheep's head up. I mean, that, that suggests to me it's like they're stepping towards the whole, like, getting close to killing idea, I think, anyway. Right, yeah, exactly. They're killing something together, you know. I mean, that's, it's, yeah, they were heading in a really, really, really dangerous direction. There's no doubt about it. And I think that, um, you know, had the FBI not started rolling them up when they did, um, we might have had another Adam Offen type situation on their hands. And, and look, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have great sources uh, inside the FBI. I don't think they like me very much. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I can only imagine that they sort of, uh, that the, the Adam Offen thing kind of taught them a lesson, you know? Like, they let the Adam Offen thing fester and a whole bunch of people ended up dead. And I, I just kind of think... By the time the base came around, they were prepared to act much more quickly. And hence, you know, um, they had someone inside the group for months. Um, and, and, and it seems someone who became quite trusted within the group. So, you know, like, I, I, I guess that's a, that's a positive that, the, that law enforcement are actually taking this stuff seriously. I mean, I, I, I don't know what you think about the way they approached Adam often, but it seems, it seems to me like they let it fester for a bit too long, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not one to be all like, yeah, go and arrest everybody. But when it's like, oh, no, these guys want to literally blow up synagogues and they want to murder this person and that person, it's like you've got to jump on that fast. It wasn't like it was just their opinions or free speech. They were genuinely planning attacks. You know, we saw in the Discord files where they're saying... They were sharing like mega upload um, kind of data dumps of how to build bombs and poison water systems. And, you know, it wasn't this wasn't like a, this isn't a case of like, oh, these poor political people are victimized. It's like, nah, man, they were literally planning to kill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, and, and you know, I'm not um, uh, I'm not a huge law and order guy either. But I think that um, I think that. Uh, you know, if these agencies are going to talk about national security, you know, and, and they're going to say that, that, that that's what their, that their function and their job is to protect national security. I mean, it, it's absurd. It was absurd for a while there where they're still, 
um, uh, you know, they're still dragging in Muslims and getting Muslims involved in, in bomb plots and a lot of stuff that's kind of always seems pretty close to entrapment, but just not, not even looking at this stuff, I think, until Charlottesville, probably, and then especially after, um, you know, after Christchurch, I think they started moving even more quickly um, because, you know, it, it finally kind of got through to, the, to them that, that this was a dangerous situation. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know what your sense of what, how, where Adam Woffin is at at the moment. I, I think both of those groups are pretty much, you know, um, pretty much done. I think, like, the leadership is either in prison or just ineffective and not able to, as, as I understand it, Nazaro is just no longer in touch with any of these folks. Um, well, he just vanished, right? He just, he was in, he was back in Russia by the time all this happened, by the, by the time the arrest came through, weren't he? It, well, it's not clear. Um, you, you know, it seems like he came back once or twice to the United States during the life of the base, but he was in Russia the whole time, it seems. So, that's weird too. The whole time, so he was directing the base from Russia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been a citizen and a, and a resident for, for for quite some time. I, I should give you some links to um, to translations of the Russian reporting for your listeners, because that's. I mean, that's. It's it's really um, it's it's really extraordinary. He he's been there for a really long time. Um, so yeah, he was really operating this whole thing from the base, and it's just like. I mean, if you see pictures of him and his life and his wife and kids and stuff, you know, he claimed to have bought this this uh, this patch of land up in Ferry County, Washington. And I can't tell you how remote this place is. The patch of land was like 30 acres undeveloped, backing onto public land. So woods, basically, wild, wild woods, no electricity, no plumbing. It's just totally off the grid. And, and the idea that he was going to leave his beautiful flat in St. Petersburg and, and move... <laughs> his wife and kids into a trailer uh, in Ferry County, Washington, it, it, you know, and, and freeze his ass off. It just doesn't hold water. That idea doesn't hold water. But anyway, yeah, he did that. He came, it seems like he came back to conclude that real estate purchase. Um, but yeah, he was basically in Russia the whole time. So, uh, you know, and, and he, yeah, he, uh, as I understand it, he disengaged um, really quickly once, once, um, you know, I and and the BBC reported on it. He just sort of said, "Oh well, I, I got to lay low for a while," and that and that was kind of it. Um, and so, you know, um, uh, you know, you got like rape and all of those guys, those Adam Woffen guys are 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 in either in jail or or some of them have been let out because of this COVID stuff and are awaiting trial. But but you know, the big Adam Woffen players now are all kind of on ice, basically. It seems to me. Uh, and so I, I feel like this whole accelerationist thing, you know, might have, the wheels might have fallen off it slightly. I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think they're, they're like out and often and that lot are crippled now. Um, and certainly a lot, you know, like a lot of their members have been upon these kind of disgusting paedophile uh, images sharing charges and or at least they're looking at these charges and there's a lot of that coming out the woodwork. So that's kind of forever tainted. But I do think it's not going to be that long before... Give it, give it six months. There'll be another group that comes out, and there will be one group that gets through. There will be one that does a big attack. I'm, I'm certain in America, you know, absolutely certain of that. There will, unfortunately, I think, be one that does get through the cracks. Um, but yeah, for now, it's kind of on ice. Did you see that guy? I was just going to add. Did you see that Wilson guy who got arrested? Well, he got killed actually. Uh, he, he shot himself uh, 
the FBI say <laughs> he shot himself after getting into a gun battle with the FBI, after he had kind of been involved in this sting, you know, this, this bomb plot. He, he was going to bomb um, a hospital, actually, um, uh, and, you know, he didn't know that the people he was plotting with were FBI agents, um, and, and they moved in to arrest him, and he got into a gunfight with them and then shot himself. He was going to go to blow up a hospital, right? Right. I mean, I think that, I think he is, guys like that are the danger. And you don't need an organized group. Like, so he, I mean, the FBI said um, uh, he was involved with, um, uh, you know, he was involved in telegram channels associated with the National Socialist Movement, which, you know, is effectively not even a thing anymore. And some fragmentary accelerationist, brand that I hadn't even heard of before and I'm sure has you know somewhere between zero to five members um but you know he's just marinating in this telegram shit all day and it's um you know uh, that's enough to kind of radicalize an individual to go out and and and, and plant a bomb do you know what I mean like it's almost like yeah, it takes one person yeah the, the groups don't even matter anymore it's just like there's this ecosystem of um, you know, telegram channels and whatever else, whatever else is hidden that we can't see, promoting this ideology. And, you know, a sufficiently unstable person is, is going to act on it. And I, I agree, I'm sure that that, even though that these movements are much diminished, I'm sure we're going to see individuals or, you know, two or three guys who decide that, that you know, they want to bomb a hospital or a synagogue or, you know, whatever. Or, or go out and shoot a bunch of people. Um, let, let's talk about the infiltrators uh, into the base. So there's quite a funny story, right? Like a load of like anti-fascists um, were like infiltrators of the base, but weren't they? They managed to take over their Telegram channel or something. Like what happened with that? I'm gonna be a little bit careful um, because um, you know, uh, I guess sources are um you know at risk but i reported on this yeah i mean uh, one of one of the sources i had was a long-term infiltrator and eventually took over their their telegram channel you know as a kind of parting parting gesture and and clearly rose to a position of of trust um in the organization and you know i probably can't get into more detail than that just in the interests of this person's safety but um yeah, I mean, you know, they had these kind of elaborate vetting processes um, uh, that clearly didn't work because, <laughs> you know, they let, in an F they let an FBI guy. And, and you know, wh I mean, what that makes me wonder is what actually the purpose of the vetting process was. I mean, was it to um, make sure that only, um, uh, you know, um, fully-fledged, uh, siege-pilled neo-Nazis join this group? Or was it just like, you know, um, a way to kind of gather information about the kind of guys who might want to might join a group like that, who are in the United States and who are prepared to engage in violence? I mean, I, you know, like it, it just, it's so weird. This whole situation is so weird that you kind of wind up second-guessing everything, right? Like, so was the vetting vetting or was the vetting Norman Spear, uh, or, you know, Ronaldo Nazaro gathering information about these guys for whatever purpose. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But they were, 
I mean, they 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 got them. They got these guys to give up quite a lot of information in 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 the vetting process. Anyway, put it that way. So yeah, I mean, they had infiltrators uh, pretty much from day one. Um, you know, and um, I know that uh, yourself and Ali have had sources um, inside Adam Woffen as well. Um, you know, it just seems like they're, they're kind of caught in this trap, I reckon, um, which is obviously they need to be public to some extent so that they can recruit. And, you know, they have to let people into groups because that's the whole idea of having a group, right? Like, <laughs> you, you want members, you want recruits. But, but it just seems like they're, not, they're never really able to um, design a process that, that kind of screens out all the infiltrators because, you know, what, what are you going to do? If a guy's read Siege and he says there's no political solution and, you know... Um, uh, you know, he says he can, he can, you know, handle an AR-15. What, what, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, like, how, how deep can you go with people? Especially when the movement is anonymous, even internally. You know, people don't know each other's names. So, you know, I, I mean, I think that's why this new, this new situation you've got, where it's, it's just a bunch of telegram channels and, you know, especially now, you know, where we're all locked down and guys staring at telegram all day being told that, uh, you know um, uh, that that Jewish people are arranging mass immigration to 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 repl replace white white men and and you know they should do something about it. That's that's what concerns me now. That you don't even need the infrastructure of a of an atom often or or um, base type group, right? Like any any kind of formal or semi formal. Um, organization you have is kind of a liability. It's it's much better to just have have guys uh, with their brains soaking in this garbage all day who might who might act. Yeah, mum, it's a mess. Um, is there anything else you want to say about the base before we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, w I would say that, like, um, uh, you know, I guess. I mean, these groups have been rolled up. I think their legacy is going to have been to mainstream some of this stuff. Um, you know, like, I don't know, you see guys at anti-lockdown protests in skull masks and all that kind of stuff and, um, you know, dressed up in, in, in tactical gear and carting around these guns. And, and like, you know, I, I wrote something yesterday with Robert Evans you know about the the boogaloo boys kind of stuff and and we've made the point that not all of these guys are card carrying nazis and some of them even say anti-racist things but um you know it, it's just about raising the temperature almost to the point where people are going out in public dressed like this ready for combat i mean it's crazy that's not something that we regularly saw in 2015 put it that way do you know what i mean like it just seems like if these groups have had any legacy, it's been to raise the stakes and turn up the temperature in this country to such an extent that, you know, you've got to worry about whether any given demo is just going to turn into a gunfight. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and I don't know if they've managed that in Britain. It doesn't seem like Britain's probably just a, a slightly more stable society than the United States at the moment. But, um, yeah, I, uh, they certainly, I, I think they've been part of, creating that situation here um and so maybe 
maybe their work is done. Um, Jason, where can people uh, where can people follow your work and get hold of you on Twitter and all of that? Uh, I'm Jason underscore A underscore W on Twitter. Um, and you know, you can Google Jason Wilson, the guardian, that's where most of my reporting has been over the years, um, including the stuff on the base. Um, and yeah, just, you know, find me on Twitter, reach out anytime. I'm a pretty friendly chap. All right, mate. Thank you very much. That was really interesting. All right. Thanks for having me, Jake. That was Jason Wilson speaking about the rise and fall of the base and all the bizarre stuff that happened in between. Do check out his work. He's constantly hammering it away, uh, covering the far right. I haven't really covered the militant far right in the US for quite a while now. Um, you know, generally I do war and conflict and that is something I kind of go to as well um, when it gets militant but definitely people like Jason and Ali Winston, as was mentioned in the episode, definitely follow them. They're people to you know watch and they're always on it. Um, as always, you know, if you like what we're doing and you want to see us do more, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popular front. If you subscribe for $5 a month, you get bonus episodes, minimum of two a month. I think there's like 60 bonus episodes now. So, you know, in a way it's kind of like a second podcast. Um, any documentary stuff we do, we'll go first to the Patreon before anybody else. Um, you get episodes early, access to the community discord, all sorts of stuff there. Patreon.com slash popular front. Thank you to our sponsors. Uh, this episode was sponsored by the defensepost.com, defense with an S. Go there for regular updates on the world in conflict. They're very good, 100% independent. Uh, it's also sponsored by Oracle Coffee Shop in Portland, Oregon, USA. They're an independent coffee shop selling only fair trade products. So see them at 3875 Southwest Bond Avenue, 97239. Uh, tell them Popular Front sent you when they reopen soon. Um, well, they're kind of they're kind of reopened now, but you know they're not fully reopened because of the lockdown. But they have reopened a bit, so go there, tell them uh, that we said hi. This episode was also sponsored by Black Triangle, an independent company making their own low-key self-defense tools. Check them out on Instagram at Black Triangle Group or their website blktriangle.com. Tell them Popular Front send you them up nice. You give you some kind of uh, discount or whatever. I don't know. The episode is also sponsored by Feng Tings. They do custom Baofeng radios. Check them out on Instagram at feng.tings, but tings is spelled T-I-N-G-Z. Feng, F-E-N-G dot tings with a Z. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Right now we're making sure to put plenty of updates on there about the various clashes happening all over the US right now. The anti-police violent clashes. Uh, justice for George Floyd protests. So yeah, Instagram.com slash popular.front. Also subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash popularfront, or you can go, just go to uh, popularfront.tv, it will take you there. Uh, the website, popularfront.co. Uh, Twitter, Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash popularfrontco. I mean, I want to change that to a better handle, but most of them are taken so i don't know maybe popular front underscore or something but yeah for the moment it's popular front co um follow me on twitter jake underscore hanrahan h-a-n-r-a-h-a-n um where else yeah it's pretty much everywhere for the socials i think uh thank you very much to all the highest uh tier patreons on patreon <laughs> um they are adam bergsnyder amy rupert andrew hurley Anthony Kabarik, Axel Iverson, Azad, Bill Wilson, B. 
N eight six. Do put a proper name there if you want it read out. Um, Brian McLaughlin, Trey Nance, Chad Walker, Charlie, Chris Cusimano, Chris Davis, Christina Rivetti, Christine Christopher Martin, Clayton Taylor, Dr. Dan Dunham, Daniel Shearer, uh, Degenerate Zero Alpha, Diana Gorvanek, Don Wayne, Emiliano, Emily Molly, Fletcher Tate. Fragile Feeling, Frank Austin, Hugo Newski, um, Newski, I think, James from the Discord, Joanne Stocker, Johnny LaFleur. Where's that name from? Isn't that from Lost? Anyway, um, Josh, Jungle King Virapan, Lawrence Abrams, Liam Williams, Louis Nicastro, Mark O'Flynn, Maxwell Burke, Maurice Zumbwal, Ari from Discord. Olin Thorne, Patrick Bronte, Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did. Oh yeah, and if you want to uh, support us with the Bitcoin, go to popularfront.co slash support, you can do it there. Uh, Rubicon, Ryan Sandercock, Sebastian from the Discord, Surushe Hawazi, Stephen Davila, Tony Bin, and Vida Provost. Thank you very much. Oh, and two people requested, I uh, shout them out, they're apparently like mega fans. So a uh, shout out to Tobias Schneider and Gregory P. Waters. I don't know, they wanted me to shout them out saying that they're like huge, huge popular front fans. So yeah, cool, thanks very much. If you like what we're doing, uh, go to patreon.com slash popular front, support us there. The bigger we get, the more we can do and the more you get basically. Um, music in this episode, the intro was by Home and the outro was by Sam Black, aka Son of Old. Listen to Sam's music at samblackpf.com. Mm-hmm.